0: The Dance Edit Podcast is brought to you by Jackrabbit Dance. Jackrabbit is the industry's most reliable dance studio management software. If you're a studio owner, you know how important class management software is. Jackrabbit is going to make your life so much easier. Their software is cloud-based, powerful, and adaptable. And Jackrabbit has the industry's largest team of trainers, product coaches, and client success specialists to support you in your studio. You wouldn't accept less than the best from your students, don't accept it from your software either. Visit JackrabbitDance.com and you use the promo code dance Media, all one word, for a free trial. Okay. Hi, dance friends, and welcome to the Dance Edit Podcast. I'm Margaret Fuhrer. I'm Courtney
1: Eskoyne. And I'm Caden Sneedon.
0: We are editors at Dance Magazine and Dance Spirit Magazine. And in today's episode, we will be discussing the latest wave of COVID-related dance cancellations extending through the end of the year, Um, talking about the International Association of Blacks and Dances' important archival project, which is now officially launched thanks to a new grant, having a little geek out, or maybe more than a little geek out, over the new trailer for the Hamilton film, as we do, And hearing from tap dance icons, Chloe and Maude Arnold. Um, Before we get started, just a quick reminder to subscribe to our daily digest at thedanceedit.com for up to the minute dance news, and also to follow us on Twitter at dance underscore edit and Instagram at the.dance.edit for up to the second dance news. Uh, Speaking of dance news, we're going to start this episode with a headline rundown just to make sure we at least briefly discuss a larger group of top stories from the past week. So, Cadence, can you start us off?
1: Sure. Um, The first annual Antonio Awards honoring Black performers on and off Broadway was held last Friday on Juneteenth, Um, and Camille A. Brown actually won the award for Best Choreography for her work in For Colored Girls Who Have Committed Suicide, Slash When the Rainbow Is Enough. So well-deserved.
2: Love Camille. Love her work. Uh, New York City Ballet standout Silas Farley has quietly retired from the company at age 26, uh, and... He will be taking up an artist-in-residence position at the Dance Department of Southern Methodist University for the next school year. Great for you, Silas,
1: but we're going to miss you.
0: <laughs> so Very excited for your next step, but please
1: come back. Come back! Um. In much sadder news, the brilliant dance writer Sally Baines, who discovered her own way of writing about dance as a social phenomenon and actually was one of the first dance critics to write about breakdancing, passed away recently due to ovarian cancer.
0: Legend.
2: Um, And the producing group behind several major West End musicals, including Hamilton, Les Mis, and Phantom, confirmed that these shows will not return before 2021, and currently the plan is to have them back, quote, as early as practical next year. Not surprising news, but...
0: Yeah, I I mean, the hope is that, yes, those musicals will indeed return in 2021, Um, In our next segment, we're going to talk about the not just delays, but actually full cancellations that were announced stateside this past week. Um, Several of these announcements came from uptown dance groups in New York City. All of them came from large organizations with large budgets, just further proof that nobody is immune to the effects of the pandemic and in a way bigger, less flexible institutions might actually be facing a longer journey back to live performance.
2: Definitely. Um, So something that was very striking was Lincoln Center and many constituent organizations announced cancellations through the end of this year, um, all within a few hours of one another. So uh, New York City Ballet officially canceled its fall season as well as its Nutcracker, which is wild to think about Mm -hmm. a New York City wintertime without a City Ballet Nutcracker. Um, American Ballet Theater canceled its own fall season, which takes place at City Ballet's home theater, the David H. Koch Theater. Um, and then Lincoln Center's general fall programming is also uh, been officially canceled until it's January or February. It's one of the two.
0: Um, yeah, we also heard that So You Think You Can Dance would not be returning this summer for its 17th season, which... Um Dance Spirit had talked to Nigel Lithgow a few weeks ago and at which point he was still hoping to find some kind of solution for it. Um, there was they floated the idea of if they couldn't actually film a live season, maybe doing some kind of season where they compared routines from previous seasons, put them head to head, which, sounded wild, but it sounds like all plans along those lines.
2: I mean, it also sounds like what I did as a teenager at
1: summer intensives.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, it's what we kind of all do in our heads constantly anyway, watching So You Think You Can Dance.
1: On the confusing dance on TV flip side, Dancing with the Stars recently posted that their new season is vaguely, quote, coming soon on their Instagram, which just- Wait, really? Yes. Posted it yesterday, and it literally just said, coming soon. No further information, no idea how they're going to pull that off, bringing in celebrities from around the world. But they usually have their season in the fall. So I have just no idea what is going on with that. Cadence,
0: thank you for being our our resident. Dancing with the Stars here for. Whoa, I had no idea.
2: Wild. Um, It is not all dire news. However, um, San Francisco Ballet, for example, went ahead and announced its 2021 season, um, which typically speaking the way their seasons work is that they really kick off with Nutcracker and then the bulk of their programming happens in the spring. Um, Nutcracker is to be determined uh, but the spring programming like there's a lot of premieres uh, Kathy Marston's Mrs. Robinson which was supposed to premiere this past spring but wasn't able to is back on the menu uh, they're going to be doing Balanchine's Midsummer, which they did exactly one performance one of before the War Memorial Opera House closed in March um, so and they're dubbing it is it a season of hope I believe
0: Oh, it was something like hope and faith, or yeah, something like that. Leap of faith. Leap of faith, dance verbs. Yeah. Acknowledging the uncertainties in this situation. Um, Oh, we should also mention that Kennedy Center as well canceled all programming through 2020, which now has projected losses of, I think it's 45.7 million over the 2020 to 2021 season.
2: Yeah. Even the honors are getting moved back all the way to March 2021. But it is worth noting also that they're planning to do maybe some outdoor programming, weather allowing, they're planning to do digital stuff. Same thing with Lincoln Center. Uh, City Ballet sounds like they're planning to do the way they did a digital spring season. They want to do something similar for the fall. So definitely looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, and, and the ability to plan those kinds of seasons, that's one of the advantages that these larger organizations with their endowments have, they just have more resources. Um, we don't want to make it seem like these big old school institutions are the center of the dance universe, because they are most certainly not. But their cancellations do feel like a, a bellwether for the industry at large. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a scary time for the dance world as a whole. I mean, understatement of the year, it is a scary time for the dance world.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean it's one of the, you know, these are some of the organizations that still have quote-unquote like full-time dance gigs that exist. Mm-hmm. Um and so seeing that kind of almost seem to be slipping away a little bit uh when already so much of the field has become project-based is a little like, "Huh. All right. How are we going to radically reimagine the dance world after this?"
0: Ooh. Okay, deep breath. Um, our, so our next seg- segment begins with some encouraging news, which is that the International Association of Blacks in Dance this past week announced that it has received a grant from the Council on Library and Information Resources to launch a significant video archive of black dance. Um, the program is called Preserving the Legacy and History of Black Dance in America. And the plan is to digitize a collection of almost 300 at-risk recordings of historically important material dating back to the 1970s. Um, And those recordings will also be made publicly available, ensuring that this material
1: isn't lost to future dancers and scholars.
2: This is so exciting.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know that they're receiving $50,000 over a year to digitize these recordings. And the focus is primarily on storing the material in a single central location to make it really accessible, which I think is, you know, really a lasting impact on the dance community. That's going to be really amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think we've also been talking a lot in recent weeks about um, dance history and the way that it's taught in America and making sure that... Mm -hmm. um, Generally speaking, non-white artists are also being centered in the narrative of American dance. And so I think this is like making all of these materials publicly available, not just making sure that they last into the future, but making them publicly available is huge. Um, and then also, I've kind of been quietly following this project from a distance for a while. Um, so IABD kind of started reaching out to its member organizations, I believe, back in January 2019, uh, when they were getting ready to apply for grants. And the initial idea was they were just going to be recording uh, the IABD conferences, taking those and digitizing them. But then when they thought about it more, they're like, actually, let's like reach out to our member organizations, our constituents, and see what they have and see what seminal works we can collect from them and so they're essentially going to be borrowing those works so that they can be digitized and then returning them uh to the member organizations afterward uh now that they do have funding to get this underway it's just it's i mean i've I don't know how many different ways I can say this is so exciting, yeah. but this is so exciting.
0: <laughs> this is major. And and some of those member organizations that will be represented in this first wave of digitization are Cleo Parker Robinson Dance, Dallas Black Dance Theater, Lula Washington Dance Theater, Ronald K. Brown Evidence, Philodenko, to, to name just a few. The list is incredible. Um, and they're going to be available on IABD's website and YouTube channel and also via Howard University's Moreland Springarn Research Center their online archive lots of ways to access them major i, I feel like I, would, I keep saying it major
2: i um, i can't wait to i cuz digitization like is a long process like they're probably going to be working on this for at least the next year um but just like i just i need it now i want to get my hands on all of this now <laughs> like my dance history nerd is showing so hard right now <laughs> it's my favorite courtney mood dance history geek <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of my perpetual mood.
0: (laughs) We should also touch on some of the other invaluable work that IABD has been doing, especially recently, including their I said, can you hear me now letter, which came out just as we were recording last week. Please go look it up on their website. It begins Dear White American Dance Community and proceeds to lay out a list of the ways that white dance institutions and members of them have failed black dancers and black dance artists.
2: Yeah, head to iabdassociation.org. You can find it there, as well as all the other incredible work that this organization does.
0: We'll include that link in the episode description. Okay, so in our next segment, I mean, I don't think it's a controversial thing to say that generally speaking, the dance world, just the world world actually, is a mess right now. Um, but for just a moment in our next segment, let's leave the mess behind and talk about some news that pretty much no matter who you are is guaranteed to spark joy. The Hamilton film, which is set to hit Disney Plus on July 3rd, has released its first trailer. And it's it's funny because it's just a minute long. There's nothing earth shattering or spoilery about it or even anything surprising. But you guys, it made me cry.
1: Oh, my gosh. Shills.
2: Straight shells. I So something I really appreciated um, that uh, Amy Dallin, who works primarily in the comics industry, who I follow because I'm a nerd, um, tweeted something to the effect of if you are a person who has been obsessed with the original Broadway cast recording, you know, obviously, you know it backwards and forwards and you know how incredible this cast is. But she pointed out this is the first time we get to appreciate them as dancers.
1: Mm. And like having
2: someone just say that was
1: so like Mm. Yeah, guys, we get to see Ariana DeBose as the bullet. As the bullet. Well,
0: because we should just talk about some of the members of that original Broadway ensemble. What an incredible cast! That. Finally, yes, finally, we will get to fully appreciate their contributions to this show.
2: And Andy Blankenbuehler's choreography, obviously one a Tony, obviously incredible, but you always know whenever you're getting new cast members in that they are stepping into something that was shaped for someone else. And there's always mm-hmm. something so satisfying, regardless of what genre you're talking about, about seeing the original cast of something, because mm-hmm. then it tells you, oh, that's why this is this.
0: I don't want to downplay the brilliance of Lin-Manuel's contributions, of course, but Hamilton isn't Hamilton without dance and dancers Mm -hmm. and you know we're talking about Andy Blankenbuehler's choreography as dance nerds we've seen a lot of it most people in the world have never even seen it period so their first exposure to this aspect of the show that is such a critical component to its success it's just so good yeah uh okay so things to look forward to um now we have the next installment in our voice memo series, which we're now calling Dancer Dispatches. Each week, we're asking dance artists from different corners of the dance world to share what they're working on, what they're thinking about, and what's inspiring them. And this week, we have a message from two of the most extraordinary tap dancers in the industry, superstar sisters, Chloe and Maud Arnold. Here they are.
3: Hey, Dance Edit listeners, this is Chloe and Maude Arnold of the Syncopated Ladies. During this unique time with COVID-19 pandemic, Maude and I have really had to innovate and get creative. This is a time where people need joy, people need to be uplifted, people need to be educated. And so we wanted to figure out how do we maintain um, our purpose and our programming in this unique moment? And so we built an online tech platform, dance tech, to be able to continue to bring top level tap dance training for all ages and all levels to the world. And we've done that through first our DC tap fest, which went online. Currently we have a tap into joy program and we have syncopated ladies girl power bootcamp coming this summer. And so all of that is at online And it's been amazing to now, through this uh, online programming, reach people all around the world. And I think that's so important as we are fighting systemic racism to be able to create opportunities uh, for people who would not normally get them due to the disparities created through systemic racism. As black women and as dancers, we have absolutely seen how systemic racism that we deal with in general overall society um, reflects that in the dance world. So right now, what we really have been focusing on and encouraging people to do is to amplify and magnify the Black voices in your dance community, whether that be at your studio or at your convention or your competition, to really make sure that You're giving space for their voices to be heard and to be felt and to be magnified. And if you don't necessarily have a large black dance community that you know or are aware of, please reach out to us as we are building a a database that we can connect you with people who live in your area. Also, we have a movement called Dance for Justice, and that is encouraging uh, dancers all around the world to find purpose and meaning in the work they're creating. And again, as Maude was saying, you can amplify the voice of others by d- dancing for justice. So um, we also have a tap dancer COVID-19 relief fund, and we created that so that tap dancers who um, have been hit really hard during this time have some sort of uh, small mini grant resources through our foundation. So for us, we are perpetually um, committed to our mission, which is to spread love and joy through dance. And though we are facing really tough times right now, we are um, uplifted by the idea that dance is this incredible language that brings us together and that can create massive change through the way that it can reach into our hearts and our humanity. And so uh, the Chloe Ahmad Foundation is uh, welcoming to all. And we are, you know, so excited for everyone to get on board and for us to make the change through dance. So remember, everybody, tap into equality, tap into equity, tap into justice.
2: Um, thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Maud. And thank you for, wow, doing all the work that you do. I'm not surprised yeah. that you guys haven't slowed down a beat.
0: They, they are obviously hard at work. Please support all of their projects. Um, you can find out more about Dance for Justice and their COVID relief fund at ChloeAndMaudeFoundation.org. And to learn about Tap Into Joy and their other class offerings, you can head to online tapfest. We'll include those links in the episode description, too. Um, So before we sign off, we wanted to try something new this week, which we're calling In Their Own Words. Um, BIPOC dance artists are continuing to come forward to testify about their experiences with racism in the dance world. And we want to continue to highlight and amplify their voices. So here are a few quotes to consider that were given or written by BIPOC artists this past week.
1: Um, So the quote that I chose is from the new Broadway for Racial Justice video that was released this past week. Um, It's from Broadway for Racial Justice founder Brandon Nays, and he says, This is not a moment of dramatized performative allyship. This is a moment of discomfort as the reality of what we, as Black people, endure is registered in real time by a hopeful many whose privilege has shielded them from our existence within this community." Um, And if you haven't watched it yet, this video features white allies from across the Broadway community reading anonymous accounts from Black performers of racism in the theater industry. Um, You should make time to watch it. This video is incredibly impactful. Essential viewing for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, The quote that I chose is as follows. These spaces are essential to the revolution. We've met our lovers in these spaces. We've met activists in these spaces. We've become politicized in these spaces. And that is artist, scholar and activist Cyrus Marcus Ware talking about dance floors and how central they are to queer and trans people, especially black, queer and trans people. Um, It's from his story called The Dance Floor at Pride is Essential to Revolution, So is Defunding the Police, which was published on HuffPost Canada on Monday. We'll link to it in the episode notes. More essential reading.
2: And I'm going to bring us a bit full circle with a quote from Mr. Silas Farley, uh, who was interviewed in the New York Times for a story called Retiring from Ballet at 26, Dancing Can Get You Only So Far. Uh, And he, at the end of the article, said, we need all of this stuff about systemic racial justice to be worked out in the makeup of who's writing the dance history, who's choreographing the ballets, who's teaching, who's training teachers, who's lecturing. I can take up all those other dimensions. Beautiful, as always. Um, yes, he can. <laughs> yes, he absolutely can. Uh, cannot wait to see what he does next. Um, and I also, as a bonus, would like to direct everyone to ABT's Gabe Shares Instagram account. Uh, he posted a poem there on Tuesday that... Um, I think everyone should take a moment to read and digest I won't even excerpt it for you just please go check it out and read it in his voice
0: best in its original context yeah Um, so thank you everyone for joining us this week we will be back next week for more discussion of the news that's moving the dance world Um, in the meantime keep learning keep advocating and keep dancing
2: mind how you go friends bye everyone Dance Edit
0: podcast is a product of Dance Media, publisher of Dance Magazine, Dance Spirit, Point, Dance Teacher, Dance Business Weekly, and the Dance Edit newsletter. Our hosts are Courtney Escoyne, Margaret Fuhrer, Lydia Murray, and Cadence Neenan. Our music is by Celestine, with special thanks to Broadway Dance Center for helping us record those football sounds. Find out more about the Dance Edit and subscribe to our daily newsletter at thedanceedit.com.